All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sam's DFS Office Hours. It is Wednesday, April 5th of 2023 here. I know that the um, MLB main slate is already rocking and rolling. Got all day of MLB to, you know, check on and uh, sweat throughout the day. So good luck to all of you in your MLB main slate lineups. We got an eight-game NBA slate later today. Uh, it is Wednesday, so basically today is the day to be building your Masters lineups. And then we also have a three-game hockey slate uh, still going strong there. So a lot of DFS action coming at you. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. It's a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions that come in live in the YouTube chat or in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, there's a link in the description below to get joined up. And if you are not signed up with us, uh, want to check us out, no better time to check us out than prior to the Masters. So there's also a link to a no-strings-attached seven-day free trial. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Come and get your questions answered. But that being said, going to get the app pulled up here. And we are going to jump right in. Uh, looks like our first... Question came in uh, late yesterday from from In It to Bink It here, and uh, this is a good one to get us kicked off today. So, In It to Bink It said, hold on, question is taking a little bit to post. Uh, how is it best to handle pitchers over exposure? I had 95% Scherzer yesterday in a build of 20 pool of 5K, big fat zero locked in a losing night. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's really unfortunate when that happens. I, I understand it. Um, was you know Max Scherzer is is a great pitcher, and and you know sometimes it doesn't work out. I mean the great thing about MLB DFS is that you know like unlike NFL, you know you don't have to wait a week. You just jump right back on the horse. Uh, that was last night, and then we get a day slate today, right? And you get to make new decisions. You get to figure out uh, how you want to tweak your process and uh, just kind of get back on the horse. But if we're talking about you know exposures and and things like that, I'm happy to talk about it. So let's just get a build roll in here, and then uh, we will talk about this in the post build here. So we're going to let these lineups build, and then we will jump right in here. Um, lineups are taking a little bit to kick off here. Okay, so lineups did not build properly here. Uh, what would I do? If I'm in this situation, I would come into the home screen. I would hit this red reset icon and then just reset any rules or any things that I have going on. Do a hard reset, control shift R if you're on Windows, command shift R if you're on Mac. Just give the build, just give the site a good once over here and figure out what's going on. So I'm gonna go back to the main slate because we're just gonna use this as our demo here. And then I'm just going to uh, make remake my two adjustments here and then see if I can build lineups second time around here. But that is like Saber Sim troubleshooting 101 right there. Uh, red reset icon, uh, hard refresh, see what is up and see if you can get that fixed. So let's see if our lineups will indeed build here. Uh, they did, so I must have had like some rule or some conflicting rule from like yesterday's show um, mess it, messing me up here. But anyways, we're in the post build. We got our uh, builds ran. Uh, first, So first thing right off the bat, similar to yesterday, we're getting a lot of exposure to Christian Javier here. Uh, we've been talking about this idea of moving right to left within our builds. So first thing that I'm going to do 
uh, for this right here is start with many uniques. There are 10 players in this DraftKings lineup. I'm just going to set this to half by default. See what that does to my Javier exposure. So it actually didn't do anything. So that's like really interesting to me, right? Uh, it's telling me that Javier is just a really good play. Um, but, you know, there's there's obviously still some risk here. Maybe I'm not comfortable with this much leverage. Maybe I want to be closer to the pool exposure here, right? I think that this is a great indicator. I don't know, you know, um, what Max Scherzer's pool exposure was, but in your 5,000 lineups, I cannot imagine that he was like 100% or even 90% uh, pool exposed in that instance there. Uh, so, so I would use this as like a guiding marker. Maybe you want to... Uh, find a halfway point between your current exposure and the pool exposure. Maybe you want to just move it down to match the pool exposure. I think that's totally okay. Uh, what I will say is that, you know, I, I, once you are done adjusting your lineups, making any adjustments, if, if you are overexposed to anybody, if anybody's making you nervous, if, if it's just too much exposure to one individual asset, um, just just go in and, and, and adjust that, right? The worst thing that you could do is have a lineup set that makes you nervous that you are not comfortable playing. So I would always suggest if there is one asset in that portfolio that is making you nervous, just go in and make an adjustment to that player. And then regardless what happens at the end of the night, at least you are much more comfortable accepting that risk, right? So I think it's totally okay to go in and make an adjustment to an individual player. But I think starting with me unique, starting with any other adjustments first, and then seeing where that goes, and then that will help guide you as to what you should set this value to. So this was me, um, and I had like 75% exposure to him. I had 45% exposure in my pool. I probably would have dropped this to like 60 and maintained uh, more leverage, but you know, just letting the builder kind of guide you and uh, give you some ideas is is how I would go about it. All right, next question here from Larry. Larry said, "What is the ideal amount of lineups to create for your pool? Currently, I am capped at 500, but playing 200 to 300 lineups a night, I am severely limited with my potential." to build winning lineups because my lineup pool is not high enough. What is an ideal pool size to use? And are there diminishing returns if I go in the other direction to make that number too large? Uh, so what I will say is that Larry, you know, you might be somebody who would benefit from our uh, Saberson pro plan. You can build up to 5,000 lineups as opposed to 500 lineups. Uh, you know, if you're playing 200 to 300 lineups a night, you're probably playing like 150 max along with the many, uh, 20 uh, entry lineups as well. So I would highly recommend uh, exploring that or, or determining if that is a route that you want to go. If you're comfortable on the standard plan with the pricing, I understand. What I would suggest is just running multiple builds. So, you know, run one build for your 150 max and then run one build for your 20 maxes as opposed to combining them. That way you get a better ratio of number of lineups to pool lineups that gives you much more flexibility uh, will be a little more tedious, you know, not running it all at once and being able to maintain it from one build. But I think that if, um, you know, if you're having trouble getting flexibility, if you're using 300 lineups out of 500 and that's just not working for you with us, some of the adjustments that you want to make, I would suggest splitting that up into smaller number of lineups per build and going from there. All right. Uh, Teddy G has a question here. Oops, uh, posted that in the Discord. Get that over to the YouTube chat. Uh, Teddy said, hey, Andrew, is there any disadvantage to building all of my lineups through a single pool setting? 
even if contest type and size is slightly different? Same question as it pertains to filtering things. So no, I don't, I don't think that's wrong at all. Um, I'll do that if, if I don't have any like diversifier builds that um, I want. If, 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 uh, if like basically all of my action is like under $3, uh, I'll just treat it all the same. The only time I'm splitting up into diversifiers and elevators is when I'm playing single entries and three maxes that are like higher dollar value. So if I'm playing like the $25, the 121 or some of those like bigger three maxes, uh, those, that, that entry fee is a lot bigger. So I want to treat those contests in a separate build. But if you're playing, you know, the $1, uh, the $2, you know, maybe even the $5 and then all your diversifiers are also under $3. I think it's totally okay to build all of those together. Just makes maintaining that portfolio a lot easier. Um, that being said, you know, even the way I've done it, um, I, I know that Matt, uh, Matt had a big bink over on FanDuel. He posted it in the discord. He won the high stakes, this $1,650, uh, single entry over on FanDuel for like 50k and my understanding is I saw some chatter in, in the discord that you know he's just building a big 150 set and then even uh either uniquely filling or unique random filling from that set uh if it, you know he could always clarify but that's kind of what I heard uh so you know even even sometimes people are like hey I'm gonna build a strong pool and then let my single entries fall where they will uh, I couldn't do that I would probably want to micromanage that lineup a lot more, but work for him. Right. So, uh, definitely different ways of going about it, but those are my thoughts on how I would handle that scenario. All right. Uh, next question here from Trudy and going to get this one in the chat. Uh, we have about two more questions in the discord. If anybody has any questions, now's a great time to get them in. Looks like the only message so far in the YouTube chat was from Daniel saying, let's go, let's go, Daniel. Uh, good luck in your contest today. All right. So going to get this one over here from Trudy. She said, uh, hi, Andrew. Uh, where is it? Okay. Hi, Andrew. Would there be any benefit to setting the sliders to zero nine during late swap as it gets later in the night? I used to drop the fade slider a little more with each swap before it was done. Um, like the way we do it now, I was just curious if maybe there was any value in doing this with the correlation and diversity sliders, or if it's best just leave them as I late swap throughout the night. Thanks in advance. This is specifically for NBA. Okay. Good question. Let's go over to NBA here. Um, I think there's some merit to adjusting sliders as you go out the night, as, as the night goes on, but I would consider doing it probably based on how you're doing. So if you are, you know, tracking the lineups on your phone, seeing where you are in the standings, um, are your top exposures doing really good? Are your top value plays doing really good? Uh, do you have, you know, did you play all the chalk is like, is the chalk hitting or did you play guys that are uh, not the chalk and how are they doing right? So there's some lineup characteristics or exposure characteristics that I would be looking for as indicators as to whether or not, or, or depending on uh, guiding me as how do I want to change my sliders throughout the night here. Uh, but I do think it makes some sense to lower correlation, right? I think as the night goes on, you're trying to just play more of the best plays. So you don't really want correlation to affect anything here. I think that, you know, if your lineup set is doing really good and you're already at a high sim diversity, I think it's okay to lower that, uh, Conversely, if you're doing 
poorly and you want to try and get back some min cash equity, I think raising some of your, your uh, diversity slider, trying to get different from the field, trying to take those smaller samples and um, find some outlier plays with the sim diversity slider can make sense. So I, I do think it's okay to make those adjustments as the night goes on. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one one big thing that, that we probably haven't touched on too much is that we are now rebuilding ownership throughout the night, right? So as news breaks, we, what we are doing is we are locking in the ownership for all the games that have already started and then using the remaining um, ownership and uh, redistributing that based on breaking news. So I think that's a huge, huge update. Um, we, we want to eventually use actual ownership, but this is a good step in the right direction. So as value plays open up, we're able to allocate ownership accordingly and then use that as an input uh, when grading your lineups with Sabre score 2.0 there. So ownership uh, for, for late swap and for NBA is being handled better than ever is basically what I'm trying to trying to say there. And I think that you could uh, eke out some value by adjusting sliders uh, depending on how you're doing. All right, next question here from Skeptical. Question is, uh, could you talk about some general rules you might set for NBA? Example, last night we got Lamb starting over DiVincenzo. So set a group of no more than one between the two, basically no more than one of the starting centers and their direct backup. Uh, okay, so let's go back to yesterday. We'll go back to this 4-4 four, four slate here. So I'm not really setting like player groups per se here, uh, mostly because I'm letting the um, correlation slider handle that here. So like, let's say uh, if we look at, um, let's look at like two star players. This always exemplifies it much better here, but maybe Gideon in, in Alexander here. Okay. So this is a good example. So if we look at Shy Gillages, Alexander, we look at Josh Giddy, right? They have negative, they have the highest negative correlation to each other. That's mostly because there's only so many fantasy points to go around. If uh, Shy is shooting, that means Giddy is probably not shooting. So, you know, th those are fantasy points that Giddy, Giddy could ultimately be having. So, these players are going to be uh, a high negative correlation to each other. So, when we are using the correlation slider here, uh, what this is doing is it is hurting. The, the times that Alexander and Giddy can show up in a lineup together. So for DiVincenzo and Lamb here, um, I would I would go and look at their correlation value, and they're actually not that negatively correlated to each other. That correlation is actually neutral here. I would be fine playing both of these players in a lineup, mostly because of their salaries here. They're both really low salaries. Um, they're not going to need you know as many fantasy points as somebody like Steph Curry and Jordan Poole would to reach their value. So I'm okay playing both of these players together. Uh, they, they they might share a position. I mean, they might play different roles on the floor here. Lamb looks like, uh, you know, playing like the 3-4. And then DiVincenzo is playing like the 1-3 here. So I'm not super concerned about playing them together here. Um, you could do some stuff in like popcorn machine and see, you know, are these guys subbing one for one here? Uh, what do the rotations look like? If you wanted to uh, do some additional research to figure out, uh, will they be playing on the court together or will they be swapping for one another and then kind of go from there? I think that's okay to do. Um, but as, as far as like rules for NBA, you know, the, the only real rule I, I was ever using here was a rule that said uh, use no more than three players on the same team here. 
uh, just because it's like a general uh, rule heuristic where, you know, there's only so many fantasy points to go around and you can like most more often than not only use so many players from the same team here, but then I would be handling that on a team by team basis. So I would come in here and sort by value. If there were teams where they had super high value, like Washington, um, maybe Portland here, maybe Golden State, I would be removing those teams from the rule and allowing uh, lineups to have more than three players from those specific teams. So I think that, you know, late season NBA is probably where that rule does not make as much sense as opposed to like early to mid season NBA, uh, where you get some of those more well-priced slates, less people uh, hurt or less teams tanking all of that stuff that's going on currently here. So I would be, um, handling that on a team-by-team -team basis, but I'm not really setting any rules to exclude players from the same team playing against playing in the same lineup. I'm mostly letting cor negative correlation and the correlation slider handle that for me here. But but if that's something you're worried about, you can always up the correlation slider, right, to make sure like that really doesn't happen. Um, the, the highest correlations that you're usually going to see are negative as opposed to positive here, especially for like the highest projected players. So you, you will know that, um, you know, Jonas's positive correlation highest is 0 0.04 with somebody on the opposite team, but all of his highest correlations from an absolute value point of view are all from the same team. So you are guarding against these players showing up in the same lineup as Jonas more than you are forcing players from the opposite team to be in the lineup with him. So just, just some notes on what correlation is doing for NBA specifically. All right, really good question there. Uh, jumping over to the YouTube chat. One question here from Shane. Uh, looks like Trudy jumped in, said thank you. Yep, happy to help. Shane said, when choosing lineups, do you put more weight on projected scores or what I understand to be Sabre score slash uh, score slash suggested lines per, per slate size? So I'm using Sabre score here. I think that we've made a lot of improvements to the way Sabre score works. We are handling Sabre score on a sport-by-sport sport, uh formula basis here so like not only do we have one saber score we have different saber scores based on slate size uh small slate is anything that is like five games or less and then large slate is anything that is six games or more this will get defaulted based on the number of games that we recognize up here at the top and then also based on your contest size so all this information is coming from the uh, number of entrants that you list in your build settings here and then this also gets defaulted. So I think Sabre score, you know, we're handling it. Uh, we have different Sabre score formulas for NBA as opposed to golf, as opposed to MLB here. You can come in and you could uh, see what, what the different values we're using are is. So we're using, you know, some projection, we're using 85th percentile, and then we're using um, an ownership adjustment here uh, for our large slate 100 to 1k contest. And then you could go and compare that to what the weights are for a large slate 50K plus entrance contest and see how those values change. So a lot more weight on average adjusted ownership here. Uh, I think that, you know, these are more sports specific. These are very well back tested. I think that these do a much better job of grading lineups as opposed to just raw projected score. This is optimizing for the mean and we are trying to optimize based on percentile so lineup upside here uh lineup ownership with some weight uh we're still making sure that we are getting some value of some projected score in here as well so i think saber score is a big boost or a much better upgrade as opposed to just raw projected score 
All right, everybody. Uh, those are our last questions in both the YouTube chat and the Discord here. If you guys have any more questions, get those in now. I'll hang out for a couple of minutes here while we wait for any last questions to roll in. Uh, if anybody didn't catch it, Jordan released a video last night talking about golf strategy ahead of the Masters. It's over on our YouTube channel if you go to uh, videos. And then this is usually from like newest to oldest here. Uh, so building PGA DFS lineups for the Masters 2023, 17-minute video. I just got done watching it. was a good watch. Talks about golf strategy. Talks about how to add in narratives. And Jordan seems pretty plugged in with like the golf world in general here. So this is a good watch. I would recommend watching it before building your lineups uh, for the Masters. And then also just to uh, keep plugging this, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today and just want to keep sharing it for, for everyone here. Um, make sure that you guys are playing on owner's box and taking advantage of some of the uh, overlay that is going on over there. We had the early MLB slate today, and I could tell you that uh, most of their main contests overlaid or were reduced rake here. So if, if I were to go over to owner's box here, I'll just show you guys like what I played today. So I'm playing mostly like just like the main slate playing the GPPs here. So let me just pull this up for everybody. So I'm, I'm, I'm playing all the GPPs for the main slate here. If we go and look, uh, they run a 25 cent, 150 max here. Uh, break even point is like 4,100 ish entries here. Uh, I don't even think you can see it. or DraftKings, where the rake is about 15%. So all those contests are failing, right? If you have $100 in entries, and then you uh, play those contests, those contests fill, your entries automatically get reduced to like $85. So people will come in and say, hey, you know, I'm like breaking even, I'm winning my entry fees back, you know, uh, what do I need to do to get better? Uh, you're already beating the rake, you're already winning. And uh, you're, you're so, so on those sites where those contests are failing, you need to one, beat the rate, get your entry fees back, and then profit on top of that, right? By playing on some of these smaller sites where these contests are overlaying, that is, you know, money back in your pocket. Um, you are, you, you're not paying that rake, and then that gives you just a better opportunity to cash right away. So I think taking advantage of that while it is available uh, is, is one of the best things that you could do. Contest selection is so important, and taking advantage of those no-rake overlaid contests is a huge advantage early in the MLB season here. But aside from that, you will also get the opportunity to, we will track your entry fees if you use code Saber or code SaberSim. And then for uh, these different entry fee values that you hit, you will earn SaberSim credit. We will reach out to you. And they also have a, up to $500 deposit bonus that you can ultimately work through here. Uh, looks like Shane said, great explanation. Thanks. Yep, happy to help. Uh, Sharon said, owner's box is great. I'm wondering if owner's, Ownership will be updated in the future on owner's box. Uh, yes. So we will ultimately end up having um, ownership for owner's box contests. We are just 
working through the data, collecting data, figuring out what are the best ways to ultimately offer ownership on a smaller site where um, other, other uh, uh, what's the word, uh, competitors of ours are not, you know, promoting that, not really playing on that. So we are working on getting ownership projections uh, in the near future, but we are just figuring out the best way to offer those. But really good questions today, everybody. Uh, we'll be right back tomorrow for our Thursday show. Good luck in all of your contests today with the MLB main slate, uh, with building golf lineups. And until tomorrow, take care. I will see you. Bye.